We remember David. When he went out, there, there was going to be a battle with the Philistines. And the lords of the Philistines said they didn't want David because, to come because they were going to fight with Saul. And they were going against the Israelites. And they said he used to once be um, a, a servant. Saul was his master. And he may become a hidden enemy against us. So they sent him back. So they went back to Ziklag. On getting back there, now because of time I don't read, I'll just say this. I'm sure you know this story here. On getting back, they found the entire community burned. Their wives were taken. Their children were taken. Everything was gone. And the scripture says that they all wept until they came to a point that they, they, they were now tired of weeping. They had no strength again to weep. The loss was too deep. So what happens next? All of the leaders, all right, were so distraught that they were about to stone David and pick up stones. And David encouraged himself in the Lord. And then David went to the Lord in prayer. Even at that crucial time where he could simply have just gotten up and said, folks, you know, out of emotion, anger, all right, that sense of, you know, let's go and get them revenge. But David still believed in the name of the Lord and put his trust in the Lord and went up to God and said, should we go or should we not go? And the Lord said unto him, go. And so he decided to go. Now, he's gone up to God in prayer. Now, I want to see how Christ manifested himself to David. Because it's a commandment of love and it's a commandment of service. And I'm telling you, this is where the church is missing it in this faith work. That is, it is faith that worketh by love. And the starting point is forgiveness. Because if you don't forgive and you have ought in your heart, the Bible says it will blind you and you won't even know where you are going. So you forgive. That's why Jesus, in the place of prayer, the prayer of faith, Mark eleven twenty four, 24, the only hindrance that Jesus mentioned was on forgiveness. He said, you've been saying to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea. You're practicing the right principle. You are speaking it forth. He said, then, therefore I say, you enter into the place of prayer. Your prayers are consistent with the words that you are speaking. You are not breaking that law of faith, all right, by contravening what you are praying with your words. Your words are in agreement with your prayers. You are saying to the mountain, you believe in your heart what you are saying. You understand the principle of confession that my words will shape my future. Then you enter into faith, believing you have received in prayer to give birth to that particular thing you have been confessing. But then he says, one hindrance alone. Listen, one hindrance on forgiveness. Have you ever thought about this? I'm going back to the story. That Jesus, the Bible tells us, God who forgives 
and all your iniquities and his merciful. But, but, but now this story, the, the servant went to his Lord because he owed much and asked for forgiveness. And the Lord forgave him of everything. Everything. Now, understand this. This is why Jesus said, unforgiveness is the crux of the matter. Then that same servant went and held another servant and locked him up in prison. And then the other servant heard of it and went to tell the Lord. Now, this is a Lord that forgave him of everything. Why didn't he too just overlook the unforgiveness? He was saying, that is the cardinal sin against mercy. I will forgive you of anything, but that you now hold what you are forgiving out. You're now working on forgiveness and you want to inflict. And that's why this gospel we preach around this area in this, con this part of the world where it's vindictive, where they, we want the enemies to die. All right? It says you did not forgive. He says we open him up to tormentors. In other words, the door that all other demonic spirits use to gain entrance into the life of an individual to inflict harm and torment that person with all kinds of things is unforgiveness. So we walk in forgiveness. And by that, the path becomes clear. We can now get the other instructions in love because we've kept the cardinal one of forgiveness. The Levite that walked past that man, they were in unforgiveness. There are people in their lives they were holding, religious people, critical, judgmental. So they didn't recognize God. So, David prayed and went out and God said, go. Now, to show that Christ manifests himself, he says, when you keep my commandments, we said this, of service, I will manifest myself. Now, Jesus had answered the prayer of David and he said, go. But how did the manifestation come? The scripture tells us as David went, his men saw a servant, sorry, one of the servants of the Egyptians. He was sick nigh unto death. Now, they didn't know who he was. He was just an Egyptian slave. They didn't, they didn't know, they didn't know any, have any attachment to him. They were on their way to recover what was stolen, their wives and their children. Yet, they had the consciousness in mercy to recognize somebody who was dying and to go out of their way to help him. The Bible says they gave him bread, they gave him water, his spirit returned to him, they gave him figs. Then at that point, David inquired of him. So David didn't know who he was. Who are you? Where are you from? Who is your master? Oh, he said, this is the way I was treated. And we can see that defeat comes when we treat people wrongly. He said, I was with my master. And I fell ill. And he said, it was, I was of no use to him again. So he dumped me. My master, hear what he said? He said, we went into these cities, one, two, three, four, and the last one he said was Ziglag. Suddenly David realized, this man that we helped, just out of service, just out of compassion, 
it was Christ manifesting himself to us. This is the answer to our prayer. If David went on and ignored that chap, they would not. They would have gotten there and they, they would have been wondering what happened. We thought God said we should come. That's why on your journey, the Holy Spirit will nudge you on acts of love, commandments of love. So they took him and they came into an agreement with him. And he took them right to the place where his master was, partying. And that's how they took over the entire thing. And that's why it's important. It tells us in the book of Luke. It talks about while we wait for the Lord, that the person who beats the fellow servants with many, he, he's there, beats them, says, my master still tarries. And he treats them wrongly, everybody around him. He said he will be beaten with many stripes. While we are there, waiting on the word of God, confessing God's word, and watching, we shall understand that he will nudge us. He will open up our eyes. He will give us commandments that we ought to keep in our lives. I'll close with one of the most powerful stories you know, I heard in recent times. And this was told by a gentleman, some of you might know him, his name is Muiwa Olariwajum, and he's known as Muiwa River Song. And today, he hosts Turning Point, which used to be host, um, host which Mr. Victor Laduko actually used to host it. And today he does that. And he told the story of how that happened. And I found this to be a very powerful story. And he was talking about the way and manner in which we treat people that are all around us. And in this story, he says that he started working for a radio station called Premier Radio in UK. And he will go on air and, you know, you know just as a radio presenter, on air personality, play records, talk. And there was a lady, he didn't know about this, who used to listen to him. And she really liked the program, so she called her brother in the States and told him that, look, there's this great guy on radio. You should be able to hook up this way. Listen to him. And the brother started listening to him also. So what happened was, after a few years, there was somebody who was an assistant pastor in the church in London that they used to attend who had relocated to America. And one day he said, the guy just came to his mind. And it was strongly impressed upon his mind that he should call him just to find out how he was doing. That's all. How are you? How are you doing? And... He responded to that nudging and called the gentleman in America and said, how are you? He didn't know where he was. Just called him, got the number and called him. And the gentleman spoke to him on the phone and was, oh, me, what, me, what? Oh, me, what? how was your program? And I was talking, I was talking. So apparently, it so happened that that particular person he called, that former assistant pastor of that church, was staying in the house 
of the elder brother of the lady who had told this her brother about him. And so when this chap kept talking to her and dropped the phone, that elder brother said, who is this who you are talking to? Oh, he said, this guy, oh, he said, man, I've been listening to him. That chap was Mr. Victor Ladokum. So he said, pick up the phone, call him. I really admire what he's doing. I like to talk to him. Talk to him. And there, he said, why don't you come with all your folks to America and let's have a show here. Let's have a program here. Come on Turning Point and come and, you know, just, you know, you do a presentation, sing and all of that and just minister to the people. He said, so he flew in. Now, how did that door open? Because he thought about this chap and decided out of kindness and tenderness of heart to call him. Now, what I'm saying is you only get this nudging because you walk in forgiveness. That's the fundamental order of the kingdom. Then every other thing outside that are instructions he gives. Have you not noticed that Joseph, how did Joseph get to the throne? Yes, he had a gift and a talent, but he saw so folks one day, he wasn't part of his line of duty that day, but he saw that their countenance was falling. And out of kindness of heart, he said, what is going on here? I will help you guys. It is from that point, the door was opened up. If he missed those guys, he will have missed a manifestation of Christ in prison. This is why Jesus, when we get to heaven, says, when I was tested, you gave me water. He says, where, when did I do that? When I was hungry, Jesus, you are so great. He said, when you saw that little one, I was there. Once we begin to believe God in faith and move in the place of love, we'll start having manifestations of Christ. Manifestations of Jesus. So let me close what happened here. That's not the end of the story. He traveled to America. He said on his way out, Mr. Oladokun called him and said, um, are you in any way, will you, have you ever considered hosting this program after me? It's turning point. He said he looked, laughed, and said, and left. Well, to call the long story short, seven years later, he gets a call. Now, this is where it really gets, wow, he gets a call. Uh, to come over to audition for Turning Point in the States. So he flies in. He does the audition. And um, they say, well, you know, we need to change this and all of that. So he says, look, maybe it's not really right for me. Who are the other guys that are in this thing, you know, auditioning? And the head of programs, they say, we have no other person. It's just you that we have that we're auditioning. You are the one going to take up this role. He says, wow, this must be Mr. Oladokun, who told me seven years ago, that he will have me take this program after, take up this program after he leaves. So he calls Mr. Oladokun. Thank you very much for putting such a strong word for me. Strong word for me. Because it's the, I, I mean, I was the only one that was selected for this. And Mr. Oladokun goes, what are you talking about? He says, turning point. 
He says, no, I, I'm, not, I'm not involved in the process of selecting. I never mentioned it to anybody that I want, I, I, what I said to you, I just said it to you. I never mentioned it again to anybody. And I'm not in the process of selecting who the next person will be. So I had no hand in this. So he was shocked. How come this is happening? So he went to check. And he found out that there was a producer the day Mr. Oladokun invited him seven years ago who was part of his setup, and they just became friends. And from time to time, he will call her just to check how she was. That's all. How are you? Hope all is well. Everything is going well. You are doing well. You're doing fine. Yes, I just. It was this young lady who went to God in prayer when they needed somebody else, and his face just kept coming up. And she went to meet her boss and said, I've prayed through on this. There is only one person that I believe can do this. And it's this gentleman. The boss is bought into it and said, then Mr. Mewala Reju will be the next host. He said it was just the concern he had, just keeping in touch. And he made a statement. He said, people think it's your work that will speak for you. He says, yes, but it's people that will actually speak for you. And many people may do good work, but treat people so wrongly and badly that the things you're believing God for. I mean, if we look at Matthew chapter 7, here's what I'm teaching. Matthew chapter 7. Let's just quickly look at this. I'll close with this here. See what he says. Ask Jesus and it shall be given. Seek, it says, and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, he that seeketh findeth, he that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you, whom if his son ask bread, will give him a stone? Or if he ask for a fish, will give him a serpent? If ye being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more won't your father who is in heaven give good things to those that love, to those that ask him, your father will do it. However, it goes to next verse. Look at verse 12. Therefore, all things, whatsoever you would that men do unto you, do ye even so unto them. For this is the law and the prophets. Enter ye at the straight gate. That's it. You are praying about something. God says, most of your prayers, greater majority, is going to come through the hands of men. People acting towards you in a certain way. Oh, you say, well, I want promotion in the office. Somebody has to sign it. Oh, I want more clients. People must decide to come. Oh, you know, I want more people must open up the doors. He says, your father, you have no problem with him. But here's the problem. There is a law. Whatsoever you will that men should do unto you, put it out there. Well, I want promotion so I can earn more because of the changing economic times. And the Holy Ghost whispers to you. 
But the person who walks underneath you, say as your gate man, say as your gardener, whatever, he's been faithful for years. You have never considered that the same economy that you are asking me about, he also is under that economy. You have the power. An additional 5,000 is the miracle that you are asking me for. Yours may be 50 million. His, he will shout and praise me for 50,000. You have that. Create that miracle. And somebody else will create your own miracle. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. I thank you for this opportunity to minister to these precious souls. Thank you that your word has gone forth unhindered. And it has been established in the hearts of your people. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you will cause the love, your love in the hearts of your people to abound more and more in all knowledge and judgment that they may be sincere and without offense by that love that abounds in them that they may approve things that are excellent that lord they will abound in all knowledge and judgment approving things that are excellent they are sincere, Lord, and without offense. And so that the fruits of righteousness will multiply within their lives in the name of Jesus. I pray for anybody who is struggling with any form of unforgiveness because of a damage that was done in the past and the hurt was, 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 was real and the cut was deep. I pray this moment, the healing power of Jesus, that anointing to heal you of that wound and inner strength to release every single person concerned and to establish peace and goodwill in your heart towards them so that the events that God has ordained to come in your life, you will easily stroll into it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. To listen to the full message or any other message, please visit our website at www.insightsforliving.org. For any inquiries, please call 0818-600-0082. God bless you. First John and chapter 3, verse 11. It says, For this is the message you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. This is the message we have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, who slew his brother. Wherefore slew him his brother because his own works were evil and his brother's righteous.
Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you, for you have passed from death to life because you love the brethren. Now it says, whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And he, and you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's goods. Now, Jesus, uh, uh, the Apostle John is saying something here by the Spirit. Uh, we will get to into it. He's talking about the commandment of love. Now, I want us to understand the build up to this. Because he's saying something about um, the commandment of love. He says, he talks about whoso hateth his brother is a murderer. Hating there means you have ought in your heart against your brother. It means that you haven't forgiven your brother of something. There is some animosity inside your heart towards your brother. He says, hereby perceive we the love of God. Because he laid down his life for us, we ought to lay down our lives for our brethren. And then he says, whoso hath this world's good and see his brother in need. Now, now, what he's talking about, we, we mustn't miss out on what he's saying. He's talking about, first of all, uh, dropping every form of inner hatred or animosity you'll have to your brother, people you relate with every day. Before he now comes to talk about if you see your brother in need and you have worldly goods, which means before he talks about physical giving, which is a part of love, he's talking about forgiveness and intercession. Now we've got to understand this. Because the greatest act of love and the most sacrificial act in our work with love is to forgive. Is to lay, that's what it means to lay down our lives. We are to love even as Jesus loved and forgave us. To be tender-hearted and kind and to forgive even as he, God forgave us for Christ's sake. That's what he says in the book of Ephesians. So it starts with forgiveness. Because if there is unforgiveness, and I can prove this from the scriptures, other scriptures, then your giving doesn't really count. All right? Because you can give physically and not be in love. For it tells us, if I give all my goods to the poor and I have not love, I am nothing. That's why it tells us, when you bring your gift to, an, to the altar, if you remember, so given is part of it, but he says, first, go and get reconciled on to your brother. Get into the place where you get reconciled. If there's any ought you have inside your heart, get reconciled first, is what he's saying. Forgive that person. Drop the issues first before we get to give him. That's why he says, judge not. Condemn not, and you won't be condemned. Forgive, and you'll be forgiven. Then give. Forgive is what you do before, which is what forgive is before giving. In other words, it precedes giving. So it says this, because it talks about the evil eye, that a person can have an evil eye and call you. He says, come and eat and drink, but his heart is not with you. It says, as he thinketh in his heart, so he, he, is he. 
It says, eat and drink but his heart. So he has something in his heart against you even though he's giving you gifts. Even though he seems to be giving you material things, there's something he has in his heart against. So it's possible, I'm saying, for you to give but not be in love. So the starting point of this is that you forgive, all right? And then he says, and whoso hath this world's goods and sees his brother in needs and shutteth up his bowels of compassion, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love, all right, in word. Now we're still talking about those commandments or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and assure our hearts before him. For if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than a heart that knows all things. But if our hearts condemn us not, then we have confidence towards God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him. Why? Because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. What is the commandment? This is the commandment that we should believe on the name of the Son of God which is what we prayed in. We fulfill that. The second is we should love one another as he gave us commandment. So he says answers to prayers hinged on two things. Our trust in the Lord. We believe in the name of the Lord and put our trust in him and worship him over that thing. Rejoice with thanksgiving. Then he will give us commandments. And those commandments now are always love-related commandments. That's why it tells us now faith that worketh by love. Somewhere else in that verse is faith that works as you serve one another. Don't use your liberty as an occasion for the flesh, but in love to serve one another. So he's saying here faith that works by serving one another. Now, that's why I said already from the point, your prayer, if it's done in the name of Jesus, is done in line of service. For the works that Jesus did was towards the service of humanity, and that's what is continuing on the inside of you. That we should love, all right, and that means to serve one another. So he's talking about walking in love, keeping the commandments of love. Now, what I'm saying is that the things that you've prayed about, Jesus will begin to give you instructions that are love-related. So don't start, you know, thinking of something weird he may ask you to do. That where are the pots of water that he wants me to fill? No, leave that. He's going to nudge your heart and give you instructions in love. And that's where the answers to your prayers are going to come. Why do you think it is written that now, we know angels bring, bring the answers to prayers. We all know that. It is written that be hospitable unto strangers. For some have entertained angels unawares. In other words, that hospitality, that act of love, 
that act of service, some have actually entertained the angels that were bringing the answers to their prayers without them knowing. Let me give an example here. I'll get into the practice of this. And Jesus will begin to give you instructions concerning love. Obey those instructions. Obey those instructions. I mean, you can be going on your own way like the good Samaritan. And you are on your own journey to a particular place. And it's out of your way, but you see somebody who is injured lying there needs help. Now, if you are so preoccupied with what you are doing, then you are going to miss out on the instruction of the Spirit, like the Levites and the priests miss out on you helping that person. And it is in doing deeds like this that people actually have encounters and Jesus manifests himself. That's what he said there. He said, if you keep those commandments, I will manifest. That's where we're going to have the manifestation of Christ. Let me give a scriptural example first. We remember David. When he went out, there, there was going to be a battle with the Philistines. And the lords of the Philistines said they didn't want David because to come because they were going to fight with Saul. And they were going against the Israelites. And they said he used to once be um, a, a servant. Saul was his master. And he may become a hidden enemy against us. So they sent him back. So they went back to Ziglag. On getting back there, now because of time I don't read, I'll just say this. I'm sure you know this story here. On getting back, they found the entire community bond. Their wives were taken. Their children were taken. Everything was gone. And the scripture says that they all wept until they came to a point that they, they, they were now tired of weeping. They had no strength again to weep. The loss was too deep. So what happens next? All of the leaders all right, were so distraught that they were about to stone David and pick up stones. And David encouraged himself in the Lord. And then David went to the Lord in prayer. Even at that crucial time where he could simply have just gotten up and said, folks, you know, out of emotion, anger, all right, that sense of, you know, let's go and get them revenge. But David still believed in the name of the Lord and put his trust in the Lord and went up to God and said, should we go? Or should we not go? And the Lord said unto him, go. And so he decided to go. Now, he's gone up to God in prayer. Now, I want to see how Christ manifested himself to David. Because it's a commandment of love and it's a commandment of service. And I'm telling you, this is where. The church is missing it in this faith work. That is, it is faith that worketh by love. And the starting point is forgiveness. Because if you don't forgive and you have ought in your heart, the Bible says it will blind you and you won't even know where you are going. So you forgive. 
That's why Jesus, in the place of prayer, the prayer of faith, Mark eleven twenty four, the only hindrance that Jesus mentioned was unforgiveness. He said, you've been saying to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea. You're practicing the right principle. You are speaking it forth. He said, then, therefore I say, oh, you enter into the place of prayer. Your prayers are consistent with the words that you are speaking. You are not breaking that law of faith, all right, by contravening what you are praying with your words. Your words are in agreement with your prayers. You are saying to the mountain, you believe in your heart what you are saying. You understand the principle of confession that my words will shape my future. Then you enter into faith, believing you have received in prayer to give birth to that particular thing you have been confessing. But then he says, one hindrance alone. Listen, one hindrance on forgiveness. Have you ever thought about this? I'm going back to the story. That Jesus, the Bible tells us, God who forgives all your iniquities and his merciful. But, but, but now this is the story. The, the servant went to his Lord because he owed much and asked for forgiveness. And the Lord forgave him of everything. Everything. Now, understand this. This is why Jesus said, Unforgiveness is the crux of the matter. Then that same servant went and held another servant and locked him up in prison. And then the other servant heard of it and went to tell the Lord. Now this is a Lord that forgave him of everything. Why didn't he too just overlook the unforgiveness? He was saying, that is the cardinal sin against mercy. I will forgive you of anything, but that you now hold what you are forgiving out. You're now working on forgiveness and you want to inflict. And that's why this gospel we preach around this area in this, this part of the world where it's vindictive, where they, we want the enemies to die. All right. It says you did not forgive. It says we open him up to tormentors. In other words, the door that all other demonic spirits use to gain entrance into the life of an individual to inflict harm and torment that person with all kinds of things is unforgiveness. So we walk in forgiveness. And by that, the path becomes clear. We can now get the other instructions in love because we've kept the cardinal one of forgiveness. The Levite that walked past that man, they were in unforgiveness. There were people in their lives they were holding, religious people, critical, judgmental. So they didn't recognize God. So, David prayed and went out and God said, go. Now, to show that Christ manifests himself, he says, when you keep my commandments, we said this, of service, I will manifest myself. Now, Jesus had answered the prayer of David, and he said, go. But how did the manifestation come? The scripture tells us, as David went, his men saw a servant, sorry, one of the servants of the Egyptians, 
he was sick nigh unto death. Now, they didn't know who he was. He was just an Egyptian slave. They didn't, they didn't know, they didn't know any, have any attachment to him. They were on their way to recover what was stolen, their wives and their children. Yet, they had the consciousness in mercy to recognize somebody who was dying and to go out of their way to help him. The Bible says they gave him bread, they gave him water, his spirit returned to him, they gave him figs. Then at that point, David inquired of him. So David didn't know who he was. Who are you? Where are you from? Who is your master? Oh, he said, this is the way I was treated. And we can see that defeat comes when we treat people wrongly. He said, I was with my master. And I fell ill. And he said it was, I was of no use to him again. So he dumped me. My master, hear what he said? He said, we went into these cities, one, two, three, four. And the last one he said was Ziglag. Suddenly David realized, this man that we helped, just out of service, just out of compassion, it was Christ manifesting himself to us. This is the answer to our prayer. If David went on and ignored that chap, they would not. They would have gotten there and they would have been wondering what happened. We thought God said we should come. That's why on your journey, the Holy Spirit will nudge you on acts of love, commandments of love. So they took him and they came into an agreement with him. And he took them right to the place where his master was, partying. And that's how they took over the entire thing. And that's why it's important. It tells us in the book of Luke. It talks about while we wait for the Lord, that the person who beats the fellow servants with many, he, he's there, beats them, says, my master still tarries. And he treats them wrongly, everybody around him. He said he will be beaten with many stripes. While we are there, waiting on the word of God, confessing God's word, and watching, we should understand that he will nudge us. He will open up our eyes. He will give us commandments that we ought to keep in our lives. I'll close with one of the most powerful stories you know, I heard in recent times. And this was told by a gentleman, some of you might know him, his name is Muiwa Olariwajum, and he's known as Muiwa River Song. And today, he hosts Turning Point, which used to be host, um, host which Mr. Victor Laduko actually used to host it. And today he does that. And he told the story of how that happened. And I found this to be a very powerful story. And he was talking about the way and manner in which we treat people that are all around us. And in this story, he says that he started working for a radio station called Premier Radio in UK. And he will go on air and, you know, you know just as a radio presenter, on air personality, play records, talk. And there was a lady, he didn't know about this, who 
used to listen to him. And she really liked the program, so she called her brother in the States and told him that, look, there's this great guy on radio. You should be able to hook up this way. Listen to him. And the brother started listening to him also. So what happened was, after a few years, there was somebody who was an assistant pastor in the church in London that they used to attend who had relocated to America. And one day he said, the guy just came to his mind. And it was strongly impressed upon his mind that he should call him just to find out how he was doing. That's all. How are you? How are you doing? And he responded to that nudging and called the gentleman in America and said, how are you? He didn't know where he was. Just called him. Got the number and called him. And a gentleman spoke to me on the phone and was saying, oh, how was your program? And I was talking, I was talking. So apparently, it so happened that that particular person he called, that former assistant pastor of that church, was staying in the house of the elder brother of the lady who had told this her brother about him. And so when this chap kept talking to me and dropped the phone, that elder brother said, who is this why you were talking to. Oh, he said, this guy, Premier. Oh, he said, man, I've been listening to him. That chap was Mr. Victor Ladokum. So he said, pick up the phone, call him. I really admire what he's doing. I like to talk to him. And talk to him. And there, he said, why don't you come with all your folks to America and let's have a show here. Let's have a program here. Come on Turning Point and come and, you know, just... You know, you do a presentation, sing, and all of that, and just minister to the people. He said, so he flew in. Now, how did that door open? Because he thought about this chap and decided out of kindness and tenderness of heart to call him. Now, what I'm saying is you only get this nudging because you walk in forgiveness. That's the fundamental order of the kingdom. Then every other thing outside that are instructions he gives. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. To listen to the full message or any other message, please visit our website at www.insightsforliving.org. For any inquiries, please call 0818-600-0082. God bless you. So I'll get into the message on the subject of faith and prayer I want to teach today. Let's just say a word of prayer before we get into it. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this great conference. We thank you for the supply of your spirit in our midst. Thank you that we have this tool through which we can still effectively minister your word, communicate knowledge, 
and understanding by the Spirit of God that resides on the inside of us. I therefore ask you, grant unto me, O Trent, I speak as your oracle, that your word goes forth in simplicity and with power, and our hearts get established in the light of your countenance. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, my first scripture I'll be reading from today is John chapter 14, and I want us to see the progress of, the, of this particular revelation that Jesus here um, taught. And if you look at John chapter 14 and verse 9, Jesus said unto him that he was speaking to Philip, Have I been so long with you? He said, And you have not known me, Philip. He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. How sayest thou then, Show us the Father? Believest not thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself. But the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Then he went on and said, Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. Verily I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So here we have um, Philip speaking to Jesus Christ, and he got into a conversation with Jesus about the works um, of Jesus. And the fact that he was asking again, can you show us the Father? And Jesus said, look, you have seen me, you have seen the Father, because all the works that you see done on the inside of me is actually the Father who is doing the works. And what he's doing is that he's giving me words that I should speak. And as I speak those words, the Father manifests these works in my life. And then he now told him something which we want to speak about today. He said, these works that I do, you also shall do. And then he said, greater works than these shall you do. And the reason is that I'm going up to be with the Father. So he spoke about continuity in the works that he was doing and said we are also going to, as his body, do much greater works than him. Now the reason is this. He said because I go up to the Father. And so Jesus was saying he was going to the right hand of the Father. There was going to be resurrection. There was going to be ascension. There was going to be that exaltation when he is now seated at the right hand of the Father. And because he will be given the glory that he had before the foundation of this world, and that glory was going to be bestowed upon him, the quality of life that he will live at the right hand of the Father will be much greater than that which was he lived while he was on this earth for he was confined into this body or into a body. Now he has ascended, now he's glorified, now he's exalted. And now he therefore says, not only will you do what I did, but now because you are in me at the right hand of the Father, 
greater works than these shall you do. In other words, you're going to do much greater works than I did while I was on the earth. For it's going to be my life that is going to be expressed on the inside of you. But this life will be the resurrected, ascended life that is at the right hand of the Father that clearly is glorified, all right, than that which he had when he was in the flesh. So he now wants to give us the way and manner in which those works are going to be done. For he says, Verily I say unto you, that he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go to the Father. And then he said, And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, in my name means in my character, and by my new authority. Whatsoever you will ask that is consistent with my character and my authority, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you will ask for anything in my name, he said, I will do it. So Jesus gives us this commitment. He said, you now have my name and the way you are going to do greater works than I have done is that you are now going to ask the Father in my name for the fulfillment of those things. And he says, once you ask the Father in my name, I am going to do it. He reassured us again and said, if you shall ask anything in my name, consistent with my character of love, and by the authority that is invested in me, he says, I will do it. In other words, we have a commitment from Jesus that if we ask anything in his name that doesn't violate his moral government, that doesn't take him out of operating in love who he is and his character, that we are not asking for something that will deprive others in order for us to get it, but we are asking for something that through which the whole of humanity is going to be blessed, that we are going to be a channel for the release of his power and blessing. And that's why we've got to tie up everything that we ask for according to the law of service. In other words, what is the intent and purpose for this? Once we can define clearly before God how obtaining this thing from him will be for the betterment of the greater majority of people and no person on the earth is going to be deprived of what they legitimately own and we're not taking away from them but we're praying remember he said where comes the wars and fightings among you he says they come from your laws that are war in your members you have not and then he says you kill 
and you steal and you try to receive but still you do not get because you ask not so coming to god in prayer is a statement that you do not want any man deprived on this earth of anything by reason of you receiving that particular thing so you are asking god to give it to you even all the ten commandments if we look at it they are commandments that are centered in the love of god because it talks about you not doing anything to injure or to deprive somebody else of what legitimately belongs to them thou shall not steal thou shall not kill thou shall not covet that which belongs to your brother you will not bring any false accusation and false accusations are the means through which people are deprived of things that belong to them so even all the ten commandments honor thy father and mother are relational commandments all right that are embedded as just a fraction of something that deals really with the love of god that's why he says if you love your neighbor as yourself then you have kept the entire commandment in just this one commandment so we are asking according to his character and in his name that god is our source and we are therefore asking in the name of jesus christ then he goes on and gives us the key and this is what i want to settle on today the key to answered prayer or to the manifestation of answered prayer he said in verse 15 if you love me keep my commandments in other words jesus is saying this to us whatsoever you ask in my name i am going to do it when you ask i will do it but how am i going to get it done i will get it done in and through you by giving you commandments to keep and if you keep those instructions or commandments it says here then you are going to have the manifestation of it now this is what i want to settle on today you go to god in prayer about something in the name of jesus christ in his character and by his authority jesus says i will do it all right i will do it that's what jesus says i am going to do it but then he says if you love and trust me then keep the commandment that i will give unto you now if we go back to the first miracle that jesus did remember he's talking about his works here and there's something called the law of first mention in scripture in other words when something is mentioned first the first time something is mentioned or done, it gives us a glimpse or insight into how that thing will function throughout the entire scriptures. So it is the law of first mention or the law of beginnings. So if we go back 
So the first miracle that Jesus did, what happened? This was the pattern. Mary came to meet Jesus, his mother. There was no wine. It had finished in the feast. And Mary said to Jesus and asked, Their wine has finished. What are you going to do about this? And then immediately she said that. She turned to the disciples and told them this very thing. Whatsoever he tells you, do it. In other words, I have made the request. Jesus is going to do it. However, in order for it to be done, he is going to give you folks instructions. The key to the miraculous is, after you've entered into the place of prayer, whatsoever he tells you, do it. So here he says, if you love me, Keep the commandments I will give to you concerning that thing. Now, let's remember the Bible says faith without works is dead, being alone. So, I believe I have received. Now, there are corresponding actions that you are going to carry out. Those actions are going to come as a result of the instructions that Jesus will give you concerning that thing. Now, this is where a lot of times we miss it. We feel that we just sit down and God is going to do the miracle and bring it to us. We are co-laborers. We are co-laborers. Uh, um, um, we are the ones. The Bible says, he that walketh miracles. God has called us. He wants to show us his ways, not just his act. He wants us to participate in it. He will give you light. He will give you commandment. He will give you instruction. And once you carry out those instructions, then what you believe you have received an answer to prayer will come to pass. So the instructions of Jesus to his disciples was simple. See empty pots there? Fill them with water. Draw out. And you will have the wine. I have heard what Mary said. I have answered. Now here are the instructions. And that's the way it works. So he gives us commandments. Uh, now that's why the scripture tells us in, in, in Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. In other words, lean upon the Lord. Rely upon him for the fulfillment of that particular thing. It says, lean not to your own understanding. Which means... Many a times when we want to do things, if we are not leaning on God, then we are leaning on our own understanding. And that's the root of unbelief. Because if I lean on my understanding and I cannot figure out in my mind, and I'm leaning on that, how this thing will happen, then I slip completely into unbelief. Because I cannot see how it will happen. But he says, rely upon God. Be safe and secure, relying upon him. Be bold about it and be outspoken. That's what it means to trust. Which means if somebody, let's say, um, wants to get something done in a, in, a, in a state and he 
goes, he has access to the governor of that state. And the governor of that state makes a verbal commitment to him and says, don't worry about it. I will get this done for you. It's a done deal. Go back home. Don't even think about it. And it's under the jurisdiction of that state governor and he has absolute power and authority over it. He leaves the place and he feels safe and secure. He is bold and outspoken. In fact, he comes in and in his conversation, people ask, who are you relying on for this thing that you are this confident? That's what he's talking about. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean upon him. Rely upon him. Then he goes in verse 6 and explains what that means. He says, in all of thy ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your steps. Now you see that. Which means in all of your path, which means how am I going to get this thing I'm relying on God? How is it going to happen? He says in all of those ways there, acknowledge him. Now the word acknowledge there is a very strong word. It means have direct and intimate contact with Jesus about the way in which that particular thing will happen. Let me repeat it. It's a word for worship. That word is the word yada, which is a direct and intimate contact with Jesus in worship. Get into the place of worship, he's saying, and get lost in worship. Singing and worshiping God Almighty. Bowing down before the Lamb of God that was slain. Enter into the depth of worship. He says, have that direct and intimate contact. It is the same Hebrew word that was used. That word acknowledge. Same word that was used when the Bible says, and Adam knew Eve. He had direct intimate contact with Eve. And something was produced. Once you get into intimate contact, direct contact with Jesus on it, something is going to be produced. And what is it? He will direct your steps. He will give you the commandments that you needed to keep in order. He will show you the pots that you need to fill with water, if that's the case. Just use this figuratively. He will show you where you need to dip in seven times and you come out completely healthy. Those are just figurative things. I'm saying he will give you the commandments as regards what you have prayed about. He will show you the steps that you ought to take in order for that to happen. Remember when they established the mercy seat and the ark was underneath it. God told Moses in the book of Exodus, he said, you will come up, tell Aaron he will come up to me. And there he will commune with me on the mercy seat. All right? And even told Moses, they said, You will commune with me on the mercy seat. For I will descend in my glory and commune with you upon that mercy seat. Uh, so when we go up to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy, this is what he's saying. We come up there and commune in worship with him on that mercy seat inside the holiest of all, where the mercy seat really is. And commune there in worship. Uh, and the people that had these songs of worship,
Praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. Uh, and they worship God because of his love uh, and sing songs about the love of God and get into that intimate place with God, worshiping him. He said, there shall I give you my commandments. He said, there shall I give you my commandments. So after we have prayed about things and we believe we have received, we should enter into the depth of worship before the throne and there he will give us in his mercy the manifestation. When we obtain mercy, we've obtained the instructions. We've obtained the commandments. We've obtained the things that we ought to do in order for that thing to come to pass. Now, where is grace released? As we keep the commandments, the grace of God gets released into that situation. As we keep that, we find that supernatural help. So in the mercy of God, he shows us his statutes. That's what he tells us in the Psalms. And as we keep those hidden statutes, that natural eyes and the natural mind cannot behold or see, and we are granted access to those commandments, and we keep them, then there is a manifestation of the works of God within our life. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. To listen to the full message or any other message, please visit our website at www.insightsforliving.org. For any inquiries, please call 0818 600 0082. God bless you.